0: Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Right, good morning. Oh, that's good. Oh, you can hear me now. That's good. Just, just to say, I haven't moved, morphed churches, I'm from IIC, but I, I appreciate with all the letters, right. it, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Twitch, um, it we call you BBC, but people <laughs> think we're watching telly, but there we go. It's good to be together, isn't it? Yes. yes. Oh, well, I, I, I'm a firm believer it's good to be together, but we'll see if you are by the end. Yes, thank you, son. So, I've brought my loyal supporters, my son and my wife. So, as, as we come to share in the word this morning, they're going to bring up... Oh, they've already done it. Look at that. They're so efficient. Journeying with the Father is my title. And I think, you know, the, the way that my perspective has changed, you know, is very different. Before, as you will appreciate, my son's going out the back. But before, I didn't have a son, and now I have a son that changes your life radically. But it also changes your perspective of what you think of it meaning to be a father. Because before I didn't have a son, and I didn't have the comprehension or understanding about what that means. It means, as a father, it seems you need to have a lot of patience. And when I get to heaven, I will be asking the father about teething and why that was necessary. (laughs) Surely they could come with all of their teeth and perfectly okay. That would be wonderful, wouldn't it? And you have all of these different moments, don't you? You have moments of joy like his first birthday when we went to the zoo and he fed a giraffe for the first time. You know, you're never going to forget that moment because we have these moments that stay imprinted upon our lives. And then there's the testing moments where he tests the boundaries. He has the things that he knows he shouldn't have. He has all of these wonderful toys and far too many that he could ever play with yet he still wants the remote control he still wants to play with the wires we didn't let him loose cuz he might come up and pull them you know it's amazing isn't it that you can give children all those things of all these other toys and yet they play with the things that they're not supposed to it's an inbuilt system that we know about but It's important as we think about these things, and as I've kind of learned a little bit over this past year, there's still a lot of learning to go. We're at the easy stage, I think, but as he gets a bit older, I'm sure there will be need for more patience, more grace, more love, and his forgiveness of me when I get frustrated with him. Isn't that true? It's a two-way street. But when I was thinking about this, I was thinking how actually... Some of the qualities that I've just talked about are actually how the Father is with us. Isn't it true that if you look back over your life, and maybe even presently, there's times when the Father has to be patient with you? I know when I look at my life, I can quite easily see. There's some times when I was just doing some stuff, and he was like, I'll just wait till you're ready to kind of finish what you're doing and pay attention really to what I'm saying. You know, I was going to study a degree in ancient history, philosophy, and classics. It sounds really interesting, doesn't it? But within three weeks, I was studying a degree in theology and I'm doing what I do now. You see, sometimes our plans get affected and thwarted by the father because he kind of looks down and wonders and probably laughs, I think, at some of our plans. But when I was this year, obviously it was my first father's day and I brought my father's day present because he wouldn't wear it. But I got a t-shirt for me that says, like son, and he got a t-shirt that says, like father. Isn't it? Isn't it nice? Like father, you can all have the R moment. Like father, like son. And in some sense, that's kind of our journey as we want to walk through the different phases and challenges and stages that we go through in life, is that we want to be like our father, don't we? And as we journey with the father, I, I, I've become more aware, I, I've emphasized over my life a lot on Jesus, but I've sometimes forgotten the father. And sometimes we forget the spirit, but I want to focus in on the Father this morning as it's relevant to what I'm speaking. So we have to adjust in different phases of life, don't we? Your life phase will change according to what stage of life you're in. When, when you're a teenager, your life phase, you don't, you've got the bank of mum and dad, you, you eat the food out of their fridge, you do all of these things, don't you? Come on, be honest. And I'll confess, I still go to my parents, and the first place I go is the fridge. (laughs) So so we have all of these life phases, and then life changes. Maybe you get married, maybe you don't. Maybe you have children, maybe you don't. Maybe you buy a house, maybe you don't. You end up renting everything. Life phases change as life changes with us. And in this journey, you know, I've had to learn being a father has taught me different things. Praying first thing in the morning, I'll be honest with you, probably isn't the best time. I'm barely awake and he's running around. So you learn that things change. But in building a good relationship with Father, prayer is a key, isn't it? It's how we kind of communicate. Rather than using prayer, I suppose you could use communicating. But it's where we'll all need to continue to learn and grow. You know, you'll never master it. You'll never get to the end of it. But it is well worth the exploration. I see my walk with God as a journey and an adventure where I get to explore things about him. My next slide, please. I'm going to read the scripture. It's very simple. It, it took me a long time to work this one out. This is it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. That's it. Just listen to it again. Our Father in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name very simple but I want to focus in as we know this prayer we know the Lord's prayer we could recite it we can do everything like that you could probably do it off-rote if I were to ask you but that doesn't mean we always engage with the words that are written and I've come afresh as we've been looking at the hexagon shape we've been looking afresh of what it means and first off may I say when Jesus taught his disciples this prayer you can go to my next slide the first thing I notice is it's always in the collective. It's our Father in heaven. It's give us today our daily bread. It doesn't say give me my daily bread. It's always in the collective. And that's a significant aspect because in our lives and in our world and in the West, we're very aware of the fact that we're individuals and we live according to individual patterns and everything like this. But this points us to a bigger perspective that actually we're part of something collective. It's not just about you. I'm not being rude when I say that. The Father is interested in you, I'm sure. But it's not just about you, okay? And sometimes life can get like that, can't we? It's about what I need when I want it. But this is about our Father. And most of the you's in the New Testament, I think for our Western eyes, we need to remember this because we only have one word, you. Nearly 90% of the you's in the New Testament are plural, not singular. So when we're reading the Bible, we're realizing actually God is so much interested, not just in yourself, but in the collective picture of us together, because they understood and there was a part of community. The prayer starts, Our Father, because it assumes that we are in community. Isn't that good? You're here because you're part of a community. That's good news. So we can say Our Father together, because it shows that there's a place of relationship that we're embedded into. And even if I were to pray it myself, as I have done and do, our Father, when we pray that, isn't it amazing to know that this prayer especially that Jesus taught, people all around the world may be praying that prayer at the same time. We have brothers and sisters who may be in far-flung countries that you will never meet, but we say our Father because we are all praying to the same Father. Our Father. And I was so encouraged. Recently we had a joint time of prayer together where you Kingman joined us, with, well no, I suppose we were together, we just did it together. You didn't come and join us, it just was at our building, wasn't it? And we prayed together, and it was so encouraging to me how we were together, and the sense of what the corporateness brought as we prayed. Because I believe when we pray together, it brings about a transformation. The manifest presence of the Father was with us, wasn't it? For those of you who were there, it was an amazing time, because we'd come together. And when we come together, we can break through things together. And in some sense, it was from that particular evening that this sermon that I'm sharing with you comes from, really. We were praying specifically for you. When I say that, I mean you, the whole church here at Burlington Baptist Church. And I had a sense that the Father was inviting you corporately to a place of fresh encounter with him as your Father. A place of adoration, a place... where where you're focused and fixed and transfixed afresh by who he is. And it's a place of rest. It's a place where you can come, you can be, and you can enjoy. My next slide, please. So there's the invitation to the encounter with the Father. You know we get invitations all the time, don't we? You may get invitations to birthday parties. You may get invitations to weddings or all sorts of events. You get invitations but the invitation is only as good as your response. If you have an invitation and it's to a party and you don't reply and you don't go, you still had the invitation and you had the opportunity to go, but you just didn't get there, did you? And it's like that sometimes with the Father. I sense that sometimes there's a timing where he says there's a moment of invitation. You can just come. And we read even biblically in the story in Luke 14 verses 15 to 24, where it says he had a banquet and he'd invited loads of people to the banquet, hadn't he? And then they, they just didn't turn up. So he went and he sent people out and he sent the servants in this parable to the highways and the byways and he invited everyone in. You see, invitation comes with choice. Invitations have to be accepted. And when you accept it, you know that it's going to take something from you. It means you're going to have to go from where you are to where you need to be at a specific time normally. The Father's invitation doesn't mean we just have a specific time. It means that we have the opportunity to come. And throughout Scripture, we see that there was this picture of those who accepted the invitations that Jesus offered to come and meet with the Father, and those who didn't. We see it with the rich young ruler, who he had this amazing encounter with Jesus, but yet at the end he said, you know what, that's just too much for me. And then we see the other example of the lady at the well, where he meets her and something changes and transforms in her. Invitations that Jesus offers come, but they come at a cost to us as well. We need to count the cost if we're going to enjoy the intimacy that the Father has for us. You see, intimacy, next slide, intimacy and duty are not the same thing. You see, sometimes life can become like a duty, can't it? I know that when I get up, I have to get washed, get dressed. That, you know, they're just practical things you're going to do. Some of you are in a system where, in life, and some of us, we can get in a system of life, and even myself. You know, I go to church every week. I can get into a system of duty. I go because it's my duty to go. I feel that's the right thing to go. That's good. I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. There's a difference between discipline and duty. Duty is done out of an area where you're not doing it for the right reason. It's something you feel you have to do, but don't necessarily want to do. Discipline is where you're telling yourself, this is something I know I need to do, and I'm submitting my will so that I do it. But there's sometimes when, in our walk with God and in prayer, when we come to our Father in heaven... Where duty, and we can recite, we can do the things that we think are the trappings of what we need to do in prayer or in engaging with the Father, but we do it out of duty. The Father's not looking for duty, he's looking for intimacy. Intimacy says, I do it because I love to do it. It declares of a space of openness, it declares of a space of vulnerability, it declares of a space where I do it as a, someone told me, you always want to be an amateur. Do you know why? Because an amateur does it because they love it, they, because they love it, whereas someone who's employed to do something, they do it because it's their job. Let us always remain as amateurs, because the word literally means amateur, to, to be in love with what you're doing. And in honesty, in our journey with the Father, there's times in our relationship, isn't it, like anything, where it seems fresh and exciting at points, but then if we're honest, there's times where it just seems like it's really hard work. Anyone relate to that? Oh, please, encourage me. <laughs> I feel like sometimes the walking with the Father just seems like really hard work. And sometimes I can get into that place and it can be like, oh, this is just, you're just trudging, you're just going through the motions. It feels like you're in mud. You know these mad people who do all these assault courses where they run through the mud yeah, I'm not one of those. But when, when they do all of that, you know, it feels like, doesn't it? Sometimes it just feels so heavy. It feels like everything's, and sometimes in our walks with God, we can come to a place where we stagnate. It's like we've hit a wall, and we've got to a place, and it's like it, I just don't seem to be getting anywhere. I feel like it's just hard. And I want to encourage you, if you're in that place, we all face that place. We all have those times. We all have those moments. We all have those seasons. But it's important to rec- recognize when you've become stagnant. You see, if you had some water and you let it go stagnant, what happens? It tastes horrible. I'm pleased you're, you're I'm impressed you're even willing to taste it.
1: <laughs> A- anyone else? It
0: smells. It smells. It gets green slime. So sometimes in our walk with God, we smell and we get green slime. I'm glad you've got a sense of humor this morning. Uh, they, they sent me in the summer because they knew you'd be more relaxed. Um, it's, but it's like that, isn't it? Sometimes in our walk with God, suddenly we realize that we've stagnated. And when we've stagnated, it can start to affect us. It, things in our lives and situations that we may have been through can affect the way that we are. Is that not true? You may have been through difficult situations and and somehow and some way that's left its imprint on you and you haven't been able to move on from that moment. And some of that can leave a residue. Just as we see the green slime with stagnant water, there can be left a residue of the impact of that moment of what's happened. And Father, in this morning as I was preparing, I just sensed that Father wants us to encourage us that as we say, our Father in heaven, as we come to him afresh, this is an opportunity to hand over your stagnation and take a refreshing. This is a time to take away duty and enter afresh into a new place of intimacy. It's like on your computer screen. You know when it's not working and things just keep buffering. That wonderful word, buffering, I don't know who invented it, but you go up to the top and you hit that button. What does it say? It says, refresh. You need to refresh and reload the page that something would be fresh in that situation. And it's like that when we come to the Father. We can get into routine. We can get into rhythm. And it's not bad to have discipline or routine. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is we can get into formality. This is how it's going to go. This is what I expect to happen. Whereas when we come and we come expect and we say, I'm coming to engage with our Father. I'm coming to engage with the Father in heaven, the one who is beyond my comprehension, the one who is far greater than I can ever imagine. He is beyond my understanding, yet he wants to be known by me. It changes us. And those roots that may have grown, whether it's a root of bitterness, a root of frustration or whatever it is, can be uprooted in the presence of our Father. You know, this this prayer... Those simple words, our Father, speak of the fact that we're loved. They speak of the fact that he cares for us just as a father cares for their children. It speaks of the fact that he'll provide for us because no one wants to eat stale bread. They want fresh bread. You don't go into your cupboard at home, do you, and say, do you know what I'd really like this morning? I'd like some stale bread. (laughs) Do you? You don't, do you? And similarly, as we come to our Father, the Father wants to give us fresh bread for every day according to every situation that we may face. Because He knows we have need of Him. And you know what? I'm not afraid to confess. I know I have need of Him. In our Western society, sometimes we're afraid to admit of our neediness. I need the Father. I need the Father more than anything. I need who he is and what he has and what he does. I need a fresh encounter of fresh bread. You know, Jesus said, I am the bread, the life. There is no other bread. Literally, that means we can feed on who he is and what he's done for the rest of our lives. But you know what? The Father's so good, he knows what we need according to the time that we're in. Sometimes there's times where I need to know about his faithfulness and he'll offer me and show me. He'll remind me of the things that he's done in my past and brought me to my present. And for you, it may be something different. What area or what do you collectively as a body need from the Father? What do you need in your family from your Father? What do you need for yourself from the Father? His our Father. You know, we recite this prayer and To the disciples, Jesus' response was a change and a transformation of their whole mentality. Because I'm pretty sure when they were praying before, they never said, our Father in heaven. It's a pointer to inclusion. It's a pointer that Jesus was saying to them as his disciples, he's not just my Father. When I go away and I pray and I have those times away and something happens, he's not just my Father, he's our Father. He included the disciples into that statement where they then, as a result, they come into a revelation that they're not just praying to a God who's distant and fearful though he is. They're praying one to now who they can call their father. What an absolute mind shift that must have been. But what an amazing privilege. You see, our Father in heaven It goes on after our Father to say in heaven because sometimes we need a perspective shift. You and I are here on earth and we see according to everything that's going on on the earth a lot of the time, if we're honest. We have the capacity to see from the Father's perspective and that's why coming to him as our Father is important because actually it changes our perspective of a situation we may be facing. And it takes the focus off ourselves and onto him. When we say our father in heaven. And the reason of the significance of place is the fact that we recognize that he's in heaven. That means not just that he's there and he's away. It means that he's the God who sustains all of heaven and he sustains all of earth, earth, even. And he's your father. It points us to the fact that he's beyond us. It points us to the fact that elsewhere we read in scripture where it says, and it says he knows the end from the beginning. We even sang it. He knows the end from the beginning. That is your Father. When you come to him in that place, when you don't understand, and I love that song about trust, when you don't understand. And there are things and there are situations in life where, in honesty, we have no idea. Because we live and we are limited in our perspective. But the Father says, in the brushstrokes of your life, I see the whole picture. And sometimes, in beautiful paintings, there are parts, even with flowers, there are parts like a poppy. There's, the centre may be black, but he even takes the things that may have been black in our lives and he brings them out with colour. Our Father in heaven. You know, I wonder whether today is a great opportunity for us to refresh our perspective of who he is and who we are. Next slide. Oh, I've gone too far. I'll do this one first. When, when we look at the passage we know that our Father means not just as individuals, as I said, but as part of a bigger family. The Father has the biggest family in the whole of the universe. Paul said in Ephesians, he said, for this reason, Ephesians 3, verse 4, 14 and 15, he says, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. If you were to take your name, I don't know your surname or whatever it is, you can. people get obsessed with genealogy these days, don't they? To know where they came from and who they are. Well, I want to encourage you that I can give you a simple answer in honesty. Your name comes from the Father. The Father, it says, the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name from him. Isn't that good? Because he's the author of creation, whether you know him or you don't. That's the amazing little secret that we can have on people who don't know him. Do you know what? I still know who your father is. Ultimately, he's their creator, isn't he? And he longs and he broods and he desires and wants them to know him. What an amazing affirmation that we say our father in heaven because we're part of his family. And do you know what? When you're part of a family, I I was with my brother yesterday and my dad actually, and uh, they said You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. It's true, isn't it? But we're part of a massive family with awe and wonder because at other points, you know, the father was so wise that he knew I needed you. That's the good news about being in a family, isn't it? You can't ever make anything on your own, let me tell you from your maybe own illusion. I did this myself. I think if you probably look back at even the things you think you did yourself, you probably didn't. There was a whole remit of people supporting, even the fact that I was not walking with God and I came back to walking with God. I know that wasn't just me coming back to God, was it? I'm sure there were people praying. I know my parents were. I know there were things happening and other things happening, even that maybe I didn't know, that point me to the fact that one of the greatest privileges that we have is to be part of a big, wide family. Our Father in heaven. You know, it's good to think about this stuff, isn't it? Then it goes on, hallowed, be your name, or holy, be your name. I don't think I have used hallowed as a word in a sentence outside <laughs> of reading it in this passage. You know, I don't, I don't walk up to someone and say, hallowed, you know, I, I, I don't use that word. So we'll stick with holy, not because hallowed is a bad word, but I think holy is easier for us to understand. In the passage, it goes on, our Father in heaven, hallowed, be your name. Why does it do that? Or holy, be your name. Because it points us to who he is. He is holy. And we know it's important to focus on the Father. So as we've realigned our priorities, that's what our Father in heaven does. It takes our focus off us and places it on him. That's a realigning of our priorities with his priorities. And then we say, holy is your name. It's about the character of the Father. It's knowing who he is. It's a statement that he is holy. And that's why we come in adoring him. That's why we come into his, we even this morning we enter his courts with thanksgiving and praise. Because he is holy. He is awesome. It's about his character. And there's something about that as I place my focus on him that recalibrates me. 1 Peter 1 verse 15 to 17 reminds us of who he is. But it points us to who we are. It says, but just as he who is called holy, calls you, is holy. So be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a Father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives in reverent fear during your temporary stay on earth. When we see and we have a revelation of his holiness, it transforms us to understand not just who he is, it gives us a revelation of actually who we are. And with character... You know, the important thing as we sung that song about trust, I thought, what an amazing song, because trust is important, isn't it? Holy be your name. I need to know who he is, because then I can trust him. If you don't know who I am, if I was a stranger in the street, you probably wouldn't trust me, would you? If you come up to me and said, I've got a life decision to make, hang on a sec, I'm just going to trust you. (laughs) On what basis would you be expanding or exploring that trust? Trust is built upon the foundation of knowing someone. We see it in relationships that we get to experience in life, in friendships. They grow and develop as we begin to trust the person. Because not, not because we trust the person, we trust the character of the person. Similarly, with the Father. The Father wants us to trust. He wants us to experientially know who he is. You see, it's one thing me declaring, and... In IIC, we can do this sometimes. We say, God is good. And everyone says, all the time. And then they say, all the time. And then they say, God is good. So that's great, isn't it? I said, it's perfectly true. But that doesn't mean I truly, experientially know that he is good. It's important to declare this stuff. But Father wants us in the place of encounter to have a radical transformation of what it means. And in my life and journey, I've had to learn to trust It's a process. I've been on that journey quite a while and I'm still on that journey. I said the other week, I said, as you journey further with the Father, it's like a jigsaw where he gives you less, less pieces. That's my experience. I feel like I started out and he gave me nearly the whole picture and now I seem to get less and less pieces because I have to trust. And my son, over his short life, has learned to trust because he knows I'll be there. He he, he's quite an adventurous chap. He gets up on his slide. He's not content with sliding down it. He wants to run down it. So the other day this came as well, a bit of a shock, but it shows his level of trust. I was sat in a deck chair trying to get a bit of relaxation. He was at the top of the slide. He decided to take some steps and run and jump. He didn't just run down the slide. He ran and halfway down he realised I'm not gonna make this, so he just (laughs) leapt. Because he knew that I would catch him. Isn't that something of the truth and the wonder of how our Father is as we walk with him? He's looking for our trust, but trust comes by knowing who he is. And we can take leaps of faith in and with him as we know more and more who he is. And you may know the Father, uh, you may know trust in one area but not in another. You know, in my life's journey, I needed to know truly that the Father was good at a point. I suffered with fibromyalgia, which basically causes pain throughout your whole body. It, they call it Death by a Thousand Needles. It's a lovely title, isn't it? And basically what it means is, is when you were to shake my hand, it would send pain through my whole body because I was so sensitive that what you would feel as just a normal handshake, I would feel as pain. So I had that for 10 years. That's quite a long period of time, and I'm sure many of you may suffer with different things, and I just want to encourage you. In that time, I had to learn, not just theoretically, I needed to learn experientially that the Father was good. Because when you face the reality of these situations and circumstances, you know it's all right to go up to someone and say, it will all be all right. But it don't quite work like that when you're in the middle of the situation, does it? You see, the Father is so real that actually in those moments, I would say, in my journey, in my story there... I learned more about the Father than outside of that. Because the truth is, it drew me to greater dependence, you know. And it led me to greater thankfulness. Sometimes we don't even realize what we have. I I found brushing my teeth. It it was a challenge at points, but I became thankful that I could brush my teeth. You know, when you can't do some things, I, I was quite a sporty person. When you can't do some things, you start to become thankful for the things that you can do. And I just want to encourage you, if you're in one of those situations, the Father hasn't forgotten you, but in the midst of it, he will reveal his true character to you. And what you learn in those moments will be greater than what you learn in the moments when everything is absolutely wonderful and it feels like the world's ticking by. So what area of the Father's character do you need to know? What specific area personal to you now do you need to know? about the Father at this time, at this very point in your life. It may be his goodness. It may be his faithfulness. It may be his forgiveness. It may be his mercy. maybe his gentleness. It may be encouragement. The Father wants us to engage with his character. So just take a moment. Just shut your eyes for a moment. I'll just do that so you don't have to look at anyone else or anything else looking at you. Our Father in heaven, who holds... All of human history, who's brought everyone through from time gone to now, the one who's beyond our comprehension. He's here and He wants you to know Him. And He knows every detail of your life, He knows every situation that may be worrying your mind. And there's an invitation this morning. The Father is inviting you to come, to come and receive from Him whatever you have need of. So, we're in the stillness, Offer yourself afresh to him. This morning, if you feel, I don't always offer this, but if you feel that you want prayer related to a specific situation, or you just want someone to stand with you as a symbol of being part of a broader family, it doesn't have to be because you're going through something difficult. It could be that you just want to encounter the Father afresh in a new way. I'd love to pray with you and I'm sure there's some other people who will join me as we pray and we come to the Father. But know as you come, you're not coming to me or to anyone else. You're coming to your Father who loves you, who welcomes you and wants to meet you.